Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to uh, summer, basically. We're, we're past Memorial Day. We've got the weather. Jeremy White, Bert Deister. So uh, it's been warm. And if you have central air, your life's a little better than uh, mine, probably, because I'm having sleeping. Mine is now. Okay. It it came at a little bit of cost. I was actually planning to brew a spruce beer over the weekend. And when I was starting to clean bottles and stuff like that, and I shut off the hot water, my hot water heater burst. Mm. So a little bit of change in plans. Instead of brewing, I was pumping water out of the basement and getting the hot water tank replaced. But I took those spruce tips, I put them in a Ziploc bag, and they're sitting in the fridge. So if I have time next weekend, I'll be back at it. We're getting to spruce beer today. Yeah. All right. We got the rest of summer here. All summer, all, what, three months of it Mm -hmm. that you have to enjoy now and, you know, get your time in while you're in, get that patio brewing in while you can. Yeah. Let's recap last week real quick. We talked about oyster stout and how to get more uh, fruit flavors out of your uh, Hefeweizen. Did you have any feedback from that? Yes. A lot of people wish they listened to their show before they pitch their yeast on Saturday. Yeah. So if if you're a podcast listener, check in before you brew. I mean, we're always trying to kind of aim our show at the seasons here um, to try to help you... uh, We'll kind of, you know, deal with them. And uh, I had a lot of people say, oh, I wish I listened to that before I pitched my Hefeweizen. Yeah. Um, we, we WGR just switched apps, and I know there's a lot more ability to subscribe to podcasts mm-hmm. within uh, the WGR shows. So, And I'm, we are compiling – we have a list, although it's been hard to get it on the old website. We do have a list of – all the different show topics yeah. that okay. we will be posting somewhere sometimes. Well, I'll, I'll make a request. I'll ask a question because I think it's entirely possible that you could just press a button and through the app, all of these shows would come to you every Saturday mm-hmm. uh, because they're in the, they're on demand. Yeah, more of a podcast style, yeah. like you know Google style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that could be uh, just keep an eye out for that, and you know we'll I'll I'll, I'll ask some questions. I'll yeah. try to get this done. All right. So that was last week. Uh, of course, we're at summer. It's drafting supplies brewing supplies summer supplies mm-hmm. uh what what's the talk of this summer is there a is there an item that is for whatever reason this summer going to be a little bit of a pop you think i think the patio like uh brewing and the propane burners um a, a lot of people are i think is more and more as home brewing pushes towards all grain and brewers get pushed outside the house to avoid the mess um Patio brewing is becoming more and more popular, um, and the with the, the the summer here and a lot of people already thinking about it, the burners are moving quite quickly. And we have, um, I mean, we have I think five brands of burners in stock, but we have the three big ones set up. We have Anvil, we have the Brewers Best Elements, and the Blickman Handfire. Uh, if you want to come take a look at them, or I'm sorry, Hellfire. If you want to come take a look at them, we have them all in stock. We have them ready to go. We have leg extensions available, ready to go in stock. So if you want to pick one up, we have it. But we also have, you know, wart chillers, both counterflows, immersions, stainless steel, copper, um, so that when you brew outside, you're not out there any longer than you want to be. Um, but summer is here. We have everything you need for summer brewing and summer draft supplies. So we have your kegerator conversions. We have party taps. If you just need a pump tap, if you're getting tired 
of going to, you know, get a keg and them not having rental taps available. If you want to pick up your own, we have some at under the cost of the rental. Um, so for some of the cheaper taps are actually cheaper to buy than they are to rent. And we will also always try to talk you into a CO2 system. We have those starting at under $150. So okay. if you want to give up on the pumping, you want it, the beer to stay fresh from weekend to weekend, but you don't want a full-on kegerator, we have a CO2 system that you can still push the beer out with CO2 and keep it carbonated, keep it from getting oxidized between weekends. Okay, very good. This, and the, you explained the CO2, the difference in that a lot at length last week mm -hmm. about just how it keeps the beer fresher and how... Um, yeah, even if everything you can't about keep it's it absolutely cold. Even yeah. if it's just basement temperatures and you're throwing happy ice on it every Friday night, having it under CO2, if you don't have oxygen there, you can't oxidize the beer. You can't skunk it. It's under you know stainless steel. It's not going to be penetrated by UV. It will be safe. Okay. Um, and your investment will be safe. You won't have that Monday blues of hey, come over. You guys got to help me finish this flat beer. Hop rhizomes. Hop rhizomes still in stock. We're running out. And as the weather's gotten nice fast, we're running out quickly. So I think we only have four or five varieties left, like Columbus, Chinook. I know we have, um, I want to say Mount Hood um, as well, and Comet. Um, but we are slowly starting to run out of varieties. So if you want to get them planted, get them in the ground soon. We'll be running out soon. You can plant them all the way out until June, but I really wouldn't, or late June, but I wouldn't suggest, you know, grabbing them and putting them inside the refrigerator till then. If you mm -hmm. got them, get them in the ground. Gotcha. Four or five varieties left. When when's the cutoff? Would you say for buying them or for when we run out? Well, well, I mean, <laughs> but if someone is going to play the game of how, how the latest you could plant them effectively, mid July. Okay, mid July. I mean, and because the other thing is, it's a it's a plant. It just needs to get enough glucose to keep itself, you know, hardy over the winter, and then you know, hold enough water that it doesn't dry out in frozen soil, and then enough sugar again to kind of you know, get itself up and out of the ground and establish the next year. Um, the big difference is you have no chance of getting any flowers. They just won't have enough time to go through the cycle, get high enough. They won't have the energy to vote to flowering. Um, so if you plant them late, it's still better than waiting till the spring. You'll get better growth, um, but you won't get any flowers for sure that first year. And often you don't get flowers on a first-year plant anyways. But we have replanted our front planters at the store in July because we've lost um, – you know, plants due to the heat. And so we've had to replant late in the season to try to keep it going. And that's actually the brewer's gold that are in there now were planted in late July. Okay. The Keg King Brewing Controller, what's what, what's the latest on that? So this is, this is big. And later in the show, we're going to talk about changing your yeast or changing your recipes for the weather. Um, if you don't want to do that and you just want to keep brewing the same beer all year round, uh, maybe a brewing controller is for you. So this is a thermostatic controller that allows you to set an exact temperature down to, I think, half or one degree uh, variance um, and controls both a heating and a cooling source. You plug in a refrigerator usually or an air conditioner, and then you plug in on the other side uh, a heater, uh, usually like a belt heater, a plate heater. Um, and you can create a fermentation chamber for relatively cheaply and easily. And so this starts at 
I say over and over again that a thermostat is the only purchase I ever made that actually made my beer better. Um, because a lot of times you put all the effort in and recipe formulation, you, you, you know, measure everything perfectly and time everything perfectly on brew day. Um, you get the beer into the basement, into the fermenter, and then the temperatures go astray and you have all sorts of problems that you kind of can't really post fix. Um, and so having control over your fermentation temperature, especially if you're trying to do cool fermentation, um, you know, yeast in the summer, uh, is going to be big. And the price on these have come down and the quality has gone up. Uh, and it is a luxury that new brewers have that old brewers really had to wire themselves if they wanted. Um, I've already bought one of these. I've already been using it. Uh, I really like it. Um, I did have a previous thermostat, one that was kind of hard to use. It had a big relay in it. Another one that was easy to use but had a small relay, so I was always worried about plugging it into my old refrigerator. Um, this one has got a big relay, easy to use, great display. Um, it's backlit, which is huge if you're just peeking your head into the basement and you want to look across and see what the temperature is and whether it's heating or cooling. Mm -hmm. So it's got a colored display that's backlit. Um, really nice unit compared to anything else out on the market. Okay. And the uh, brewing pump, the Anvil Brewing Pump? The Anvil Brewing Pump is in. And one thing I didn't know about, so we've got a lot of commotion about this. It's brushless, so it's going to be quiet, right? Um, it won't require oiling like some of the other pumps. But the other thing I didn't know about it is it doesn't have MPT fittings. It's got straight half-inch barbs. What's so that mean? You saves you about another $25, $30 hmm. right off the bat. Um, so you don't have to buy, you know, um, like stainless steel, like stem fittings. You don't have to buy couplers or anything like that. You just put it right onto the, the hose, which I think is big for a lot of brewers, um, especially somebody like me who's looking to buy this in addition um, so that I can recirculate my mash when I'm doing herms or rims. Um, so it's a cheap pump. It retails for $60. Bucks. Um, nothing but great things that we've heard about it so far. I haven't had a chance to use it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And I guess I don't have to do any rigging with I got it home, and it has half-inch barbs. So I just got to cut my hose and grab two extra worm clamps, and it's ready to roll. Very good. So these are the the, the, the new the rage this summer, at least right about now? Yeah, yeah. All, all and, these items. And again, this is another thing that I say, new brewers, you're lucky here. The prices come down, and the availability <laughs> of equipment is through the roof. Um, normally, if you wanted a home-brewing pump, you know, 10 years ago, you had to order from an industrial supply. You usually had to order the March pump, and then you had to order the head for home brewing separate. So you would end up with this, you know, nylon, this industrial head that wasn't food grade that you really couldn't use for anything. And you were about $250 in at that point. Um, the fact that I can get a pump that, to me, I'll notice no, you know, ill effects compared to, you know, my own stainless steel big heavy-duty pumps for $60 to me is miraculous. So, All right. Let's get to spruce beer. Why is now the time of year for spruce beer? Because you're getting the fresh tips. And the fresh tips really have clean, kind of almost citrusy flavors without a lot of, you know, piney flavors to them. Um, and now is the time of year where they're getting the fresh growth. And, and to be quite honest, um, the only reason that I was um, making a spruce beer is because I took the dog for a walk and I realized it was time. Normally, I don't catch the right time. Um, it's too late. They're already starting to get dark green and really have a bitter taste to them. Um, but this time I was walking the dog. I had a bag with me just in case, and they were ready. 
And so I grabbed about four ounces to make a beer. Um, so the spruce beer is one of the times, if you don't want to make it right now, pick them now. Because with all the sudden heat and all the sunlight, those are going to turn a dark green really quick and really make a kind of a bitter beer. Um, but if you're trying to collect them, you can do like I did and throw them in the fridge or throw them into the freezer for a little while and make the beer later. You probably want to grab anywhere from two to six ounces. That is a wet weight. So that's taking the weight right off uh, the tree. And two to six ounces is usually pretty good for five gallons. And again, you want to look for the fresh, green, bright tips. Um, and you'll see them all over. Watch out for pollen. The trees are also pollinating. Okay. It was windy. I got really sticky. So collect from the upwind okay. side of the tree would be some advice. But a spruce beer is really easy. You're usually picking a light, you know, bodied beer um, and, you know, throwing them in in the final 20 minutes of the boil. I use no bag. I just throw in all the spruce tips. I don't have to worry about sanitizing. I don't bother cleaning the spiders off of them. Just four ounces into the end of kind of a light Belgian pale ale. All right. Let's take a break, and on the other side, we'll kind of get into this. Yeast for the weather and uh, all the good stuff, the meat of the show, because we're already about halfway through. We burn right through it. Uh, back on the other side with more on this and uh, yeasting. I want to say yeasting. Can I say yeasting? Sure. Changing yeast for the weather. How are you going to use your we- your yeast with the weather? It's Niagara Traditions. Just brew it here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means... Either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply, 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. All right, welcome back to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. All right, yeasting. Changing yeast for the uh, the changing weather, for the heat wave we just went through was, was pretty significant. I think we're... Uh, a little more seasonable this week. So hopefully, when hopefully, you yeah. when you talk about changing yeast for the weather, what is it you mean? Well, because a lot of brewers don't have temperature control. They don't. They don't have either. You know, like you, you don't have central air, <clears throat> and you don't have a fermentation chamber. So your choices are make the beer with the yeast you normally use, and possibly suffer like you know through like endless phenols of burnt plastic and you know rotting garbage, or you know what I mean change something up to try to pick a yeast um, that will ferment a little better. So most standard ales really like it from about 62 to 68. So most of the English ales that we're used to, like Nottingham, USO5, um, and a lot of like the German Kolsch and all yeast also like those kind of mid-60s temperatures, like basement cellar temperatures. Um, But once it gets warmer, if you don't have central air, if you don't have a fermentation chamber, it's hard not only to keep the beer cool, Um, But it's also hard to keep it consistent because even if you do have, say, a cooler or a box that you keep it in, you're exchanging frozen water bottles or it's kind of bouncing with the, you know, the air conditioning kicking on and off between when you're home and you're not home, you'll see these big, you know, you know, temperature swings, and that's really bad for the yeast. Um, at the low end, it's going to shut down and start to flocculate out. At the warmer end, it's going to start to over-attenuate and produce some rough phenols. Um, so obviously, a ferment, 
transportation chamber is best, but it involves not only the financial that we talk about, but also a space commitment. You know what I mean? You basically have something the size of a full refrigerator sitting in your basement, sitting in your garage, wherever. Um, and so you're going to have that there year-round. And when you're fermenting in it, like I often do if I'm not fermenting, I shove my extra equipment in there. And then when I'm fermenting, all that equipment's on the basement floor. So there's also a big space commitment. But there's an easy answer to this. Um, I brewed in a third-story uh, apartment for years. And once it got onto the warmer months like this, I had a choice. Either if I didn't have any draft, I could use my kegerator at the fermentation chamber, or I had to change up my fermentations to yeast that would be happy in the mid-80s, high-70s. Um, and so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. So you can, one, capitalize on the weather. Um, there's a lot of different brewing styles that you really can't brew nine months out of the year here. So we're talking about, you know, most, you know, German and Belgian wheats, um, saisons. Um, they really like it warm. <clears throat> and some of the saisons really like it in the high 80s. Um, so even warmer than you might be able to find in your house right now. I can tell you, I have 80 in my house. You have 80? I, I, yeah. have, an, I have an upstairs bedroom that's off the central air, well, really the whole upstairs is a lot warmer than the downstairs. So while I'm bragging that I have central air to you before in the show, mm -hmm. it's really not working well. But it's a lot better than nothing. I know that it was 86 in my bedroom two days ago. Oh, that's kind of sleep on the porch. Kind of weather <laughs> is that is that even <laughs> too hot to brew? Yeast. No, it's not too hot to brew. But you are definitely in the saison range. There's only one or two yeasts up in those high 80s that will really go. But that Belgian saison, we're talking about the 30. Uh, 724 from uh, Y yeast. I'm not sure of the uh, kind of similar uh, yeast in white lamps, but um, that yeast really, really likes it hot. So if you're looking to brew a true Belgian Saison, this is the time of year that you have to do it. So you got the three month window, maybe even two months if we get a cold, you know, end of summer uh, to brew one of these. So now is your chance. Um, and again, it likes it in that 85 plus. If you try to ferment it below that, not only do you not kind of get its characteristic flavor, it will not attenuate well on you. And we're talking about when it will not attenuate well, we're talking about it won't go past 65%, okay. let alone the 80% a lot of people are counting on with that kind of yeast. Um, the other factor is you can just switch the yeast. And we're pointing you mostly towards Belgian style yeast here. But not all Belgian yeasts produce those extremely high levels of intense uh, fruit esters and phenols that we think of when we think of some of the classic, you know, Belgian Trappist beers and Belgian Saisons. And if you pitch them at a high rate, like we talked about in Lasso with the, the wheat beer, if you want a lot of ester flavor, don't worry about the temperature as much as trying to pitch a low amount of cells. Um, the same goes for these Belgian yeasts. If you need a yeast that's going to perform well at 75, you know, 78 degrees, but you also want a low ester beer, pitch a high rate, and the yeast will produce little esters. So I definitely have some favorites in this. That Our Belgian yeasts that tend to produce softer esters uh, on their own, regardless of your pitch rate. And that would be like the 1214 Belgian Abbey, that's Chimay's yeast, I believe. Uh, 3787, which is Trappist Rochefort, uh, as well as 3522, which is another Trappist style ale, I think, that does really well for wheats, um, but also like IPAs uh, as well. And my personal favorite from Fermentus, because I usually like the dry yeast, F33 
um, and I can produce some very clean beers. Um, I don't want, I don't know, I would say pseudo lagers to the untrained nose um, with that yeast by pitching, we'll say, um, 250 to 400 billion cells on a beer that's you know, 40 points of starting gravity, and I'm fermenting at 75 to 78 degrees, and it ferments fast, it ferments clean, it flocculates out really well. Now, with the yeast that I just mentioned, you don't have to go and, and pick a whole new recipe. You're not stuck to only blonde ales, you know what I mean? You can make a pale ale with these yeast. You can even make an IPA. Um, and I think that, like, kind of one of the secrets in the industry is a lot of the classic like West Coast IPAs or classic American IPAs actually did use Belgian yeast. Um, you think of Flying Dog. Uh, can't say the you know name on the air, but their sure. classic IPA um, uses a Belgian style yeast. Doesn't really have any you know big Belgian tones. Um, Fat Tire. I mean, they advertise Belgian style brewing right on the side of the bottle. But again, when you put, when you drink that beer, it doesn't really have intense esters. Um, So you can make beer at high fermentation temperature, um, high pitch rate, and still get a fairly low ester beer. So I would suggest trying one of your standard recipes. So kind of summarize one of your standard recipes. The Belgian yeast will attenuate a little bit more, so it will dry the beer out a little bit more. You can try to adjust for that in mashing, but I would say it's summer. A drier beer will be a better fit. Go ahead and, you know, try a standard recipe with, say, that F33 yeast and see what you get, see how you like it. Because if you like it a lot, you'll be looking forward to these hot summer months for brewing instead of dreading the time when you're, you know, changing out two-liter frozen pop bottles every 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are some other options. So you don't, if you really attest Belgian yeast, there are some English ales. So if you're looking for those, you know, stone fruity IPAs still, um, but you can't find any temperatures below 70 degrees in the house, there are some yeasts that will really help you out here. Um, and one of the ones I think I brewed with the most was the Cooper's Australian Ale. And I think it kind of makes sense that a English-style ale native to Australian breweries would want to ferment really warm. But the big thing is it ferments very clean and still doesn't attenuate like crazy above 70 degrees. Um, It doesn't really have that, we'll say, pulling or, you know, like a super notable uh, ester profile. You get a little bit of tropical fruit in there, like a little bit of pineapple, not much. Um, But that's one of my favorite yeasts. Uh, Cooper's only has one yeast strain. Um, they give you a big package. I want to say it's 15, 17 grams. So you're already getting a big pitch rate. So you can use help with that to cut down ester profile. The only disadvantage I would say of it is it does ha- not have like high flocculation. So if you're trying to do a quick beer, it does kind of linger around a little bit. One of the other reasons it probably helps clean up itself after its fermentation. Um, so the Cooper's Ale, nice, neutral. Um, we also have the Whitbread, like SO4-1099, uh, the Northwest Ale, 1332, and Brit Ale 2-1335, all actually kind of prefer temperatures at 72 to 75 range. So if your you know, house isn't screaming hot, um, you can try uh, one of those, and you should notice a, like a minimal change in the ester profile of your beer and a minimal change in the attenuation. 
Um, the Whitbread, the Northwest, and the Brit Ale, too, all also crash really quick, especially the Whitbread Ale. So if you're looking for something that's relatively clean, and I say relatively at warmer temperatures, um, and fast producing, that SO4 will really help you out. If you're willing to wait and you want to keep it simple and really clean, go for that Cooper's Ale, because that's an old faithful for a lot of old-time home brewers who don't have you know, fermentation control. Now, there are a couple other yeasts that are kind of interesting to try, too, because they do have higher tolerances on their um, fermentation. But they do tend to produce some interesting flavors, but they might be a good thing. You might find yourself liking it. One that um, that I prefer to brew with in the summer is the Scottish Ale. Um, a lot of people think of when they're making a Scottish Ale as making a 90 shilling, like a big, like, you know, 8% malty focus on golden promise beer but um a lot of these scottish beers you see especially marketed in summer are light-bodied phenolic and spice with a lot of time like heather um so they almost are more reminiscent of a belgian blonde than they are like what we would think of as english scottish and irish ales um that said scottish ale likes it warm um and while it does tend to produce a lot of esters they are on the kind of cleaner smoky end and cleaner fruity end um, the other one that I like to do in the summer is the 1010, which is actually labeled from why you see American wheat beer, um, but is actually a Dusseldorf alt beer that likes it a little bit warmer. So I've used this to, you know, create a, uh, you know, IPA in the middle of summer. Um, and if you pitch high, you from, can ferment a little bit cooler. It is very neutral, almost a pseudo lager. But if you uh, still pitch high and ferment a little bit warmer, it comes off, we'll say, less fruity with than a Kolsch, but a little bit of, like, pear tone to it. Um, so that's another one that's interesting to try if you're looking to switch up a recipe to a summer yeast to try to get a little bit cleaner fermentation. Okay. So it, it sounds like the, the moral of the story of, for a lot of this is that um, – variability is there's it's a big part of this mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. the temperature change the, the yeast strains themselves not to say that they're not reliable but it's a, almost a time of year where if you're brewing especially for fun maybe not for competition you you, you can really discover a lot about it yeah yeah and, and you discover a lot about the kind of history behind the beer styles that you're brewing and behind the yeast as well um, refrigeration is a modern control in every brewery. So we think of breweries having a flagship and several seasonals. A lot of breweries wouldn't say have a full year-round flagship because they wouldn't be able to produce it year-round. In a lot of you know commercial breweries, by an old-world standard, we're always constantly going from seasonal to seasonal based on the brewing weather. Now they might be using the same house yeast. You know what I mean? But say like Trappist Rochefort might not want to try to produce that quad, you know what I mean, and really get four times the esters in the middle of summer. So mm -hmm. they'll take that same yeast, they'll make a blonde, they'll make a saison out of it, make a lighter beer where you don't have that like ester overload where they can really pitch high on it and get a clean fermentation out of it. All right. So yeah, change your yeast. Keep brewing even though it's hot. It's a better time to be brewing, actually doing the, the boiling work. It is a harder time to be fermenting. But if you change your yeast up, you'll really make life a lot easier on yourself, and you'll make your beers not only better but a little more interesting for the season as well. All right. Well, that's it for us. That's it. Warmer weather, interesting Here. beers. Yeah. All right. Talk to you next week here on Niagara Traditions Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Beer, 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 beer. 
been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.